So, uh, good evening, everybody. And some of you came a bit later, so I may introduce myself again. My name is uh, Ayasanda Chita, and I'm uh, from a small nuns community in San Francisco in Sunset District. And I'm originally from Austria, so I speak with an accent, and I hope you can understand me. And I'd like to, tonight, like to speak a little bit about uh, my understanding of meditation and, you know, what uh, meditation can open up for us if we uh, are willing to bear with a lot of unpleasant feelings, often, which, you know, have been buried under the surface for a long time. And when we start to meditate, that's what, you know, what comes forward. It's not all, all, all only unpleasant, of course, but there's often a lot of um, material which we haven't looked at because, you know, we have never gotten any um, guidance in that way. Because mostly how we are, are brought up in, in a culture like this, which is very much about consuming and uh, having a lot and not wanting to stay still, not wanting to go into the depths, but rather wanting to have one experience after the next, then, you know, we just don't know that this is actually the way to um, finding what we are really looking for. Because, you know, the media try to convince us that what we really want, we can uh, get it by buying a lot of stuff. And it looks like, you know, that this approach has been very successful because we have been, uh, um, you know, we are now with the, what's called the climate change or climate crisis, which is a result of this worldview, which basically says, you know, we human beings, we are separate from the world, we are on top of it, and we can do with it what we like. But the planet itself is showing us now that this is a very wrong world, a world view. And I am body and myself, when we go out to teach, we always bring the planet Earth with us nowadays, since a few years actually, because we consider the planet as, as our teacher. And at the time of the Buddha, you know, this, this um, situation did not exist. And the Buddha was always speaking about, you know, world systems uh, expanding and contracting, arising and ceasing. But, you know, people weren't really uh, touched by climate change then because they were living in very, you know, rather small groups and, and this a notion of... Uh, of an end of, you know, of the of a, where they could walk or where they could maybe go with their chariots that did not occur to them. But nowadays, you know, we have very much come to the end of uh, the world as we know it, as we have known it before. Where we were thinking, you know, we can just expand more and more. We can just uh, solve all problems on a physical, on a material level, and then we're going to be happy. 
and we are not going to have uh, to suffer. But as you all have experienced in your own life, and I know it for myself too, this is not the case. We have been able to, you know, uh, get rid of a few problems, but at the same time we have created many more. And there is certain laws uh, functioning in a nature which we have to befriend rather than trying to overcome them or you know get rid of them or try to um, you know try to uh, win over them because we can't because they're part of uh, of this uh, huge process which we can call universal cosmos and we are part of it as well and we can get to know those laws by paying attention and then we can work together with those laws and then we can achieve a certain stability and uh, contentment that's what we can cultivate if we are willing to stop and to look and stop running and you know the meditation techniques which the Buddha has uh, left for us, they are all about that. You know, to be able to stop long enough and, and go into the depths and, um, you know, be less um, fascinated with the content of what the mind throws up, but rather see more the, the structure of it. See the, the laws of nature working within our mind and then we can also see that happening, so to say, outside of ourselves, even there, strictly speaking, there is no inside and outside. But we experience it like this as, as human beings with this body and sense organs and so on. So we get to know our situation very well if we're willing to stop and look. And then through that uh, stopping and looking, there's like a self-empowerment which is happening because we are clearing out, you know, our channels of perception from these different levels of delusion which we have been accumulating over lifetimes, or at least over this one lifetime, all of the conditioning, you know, which tells us that we are separate from the world and that we have to try to um, control the world. And then there are sometimes things happening in our lives where we very clearly get a message we actually can't control it. And, you know, it can be a, a life-threatening illness, or it can be climate change, or it can be an accident, or it can be, you know, losing one's job, or it can be also you know, a very positive uh, event, like suddenly winning a lot of money in the lottery. Any big experience in one's life, you know, which changes our life forever, can have this effect, you know, that we really um, start to drop deeper if we take the opportunity. Because then suddenly, you know, all what we have known before about ourselves 
doesn't hold true anymore because something else you know is is occurring which which really you know blows the mind apart and then we can either you know take this really as an opportunity for going deeper or we just try to find ways to distract ourselves and and the teachings of the buddha and the meditation guidance as well as all the other teachings they're all about you know trying to give us a framework so that we can learn how to open up to experience rather than you know trying to control it and trying to see only what we want to see and what confirms our preconceived notions of what we think how life should be and you know the teachings of the buddha is uh, a complete path is is not just um mind training alone but it's also uh, a training about how to to live together with other people and how to live together you know with with all different beings on this planet like the animals and the plants everything it's all about trying you know to live in a way that we are taking care not to exploit the situation which we have been given through this precious human birth and the buddha says you know that being born as a human being is a very um amazing opportunity because human beings have this capacity you know to, to reflect on their experience and when we meditate this is exactly what we try to we try to make much of that capacity which we have which animals don't have and also the teaching says you know that there's six realms where where beings can be born and the human realm is considered the most fortunate one because the um, the balance between suffering and and um happiness is such like that we have at least you know people who who live like we live you know we have enough time and we are healthy enough enough intelligence that we can understand the teaching and can put them into practice and we can uh, use all experiences in our life for that there's nothing which cannot be part of the practice and you know if it's a, a very powerful illness which we have contracted or if we are waking up to climate change or whatever it is you know we can use that for practice and and also you know reflecting on the fact that we are not you know, we, we we are not alone in this we all share this uh, same 
opportunity we have a body and a mind and they work quite similar for all of us. We have slightly different characters but we have much more in common than what we are different. And so we can really, we can support each other in this endeavor of using this lifetime to you know, practice and, and cultivate our mind. And using whatever is happening just right now as, as an opportunity to get to know ourselves. So in the in the in the uh, tradition I have been trained, which is the forest tradition, for this kind of practice, a simplicity is considered to be a very good foundation for practice. To use one's life in a way which is which is um, supporting stopping and you know looking inside oneself rather than outside oneself for for guidance about how to live. And this is something, you know, which goes very much against um, the culture we are all living in. So it's, it's really very necessary to have uh, contact with other people who are doing a similar thing because otherwise it's very difficult to stay stay on course, so to say. And, you know, meetings like this um, are very supportive and, you know, having uh, a Sangha is, is, is a very good condition for practice. And I think you're very uh, fortunate to have such a beautiful place and so many people are coming here. This is very special, really. Quite sure what I should speak about. What would you like to hear? <laughs> what are you interested to hear about? Maybe the path that brought you to where you're at. Yes. Oh, I have. Uh, I have been trained originally in cultural anthropology, and that brought me to Thailand. And by coincidence, I, I stumbled in a monastery, and and uh, I didn't have any interest, you know, in, in uh, very much in um, spirituality or religion. 
but by coincidence, like I met somebody who pointed me to a monastery, and I went there, and a meditation retreat started there just two days afterwards. So I thought I'm going to just, you know, have a look and get a taste of what this is all about. But I, I was quite sure I wouldn't be able to stay for the 10-day retreat. I would just leave after a few days. But then when I saw the teacher, I, I was very uh, fascinated, really. And I, I felt like how this uh, person was. He was an old man. He was in his 80s then, uh, a Thai forest tradition master in the south of Thailand. I felt like the way how he was... I felt like I would want to be like him because he had a certain uh, unshakability about him which I found uh, to be very attractive. And and then I I wanted to know, you know, what he knows that he could be like he was and and I'm still learning now from it, I must say. Because I stayed there for some time and then he passed away and that brought me to England and then I trained in a monastery in England for 17 years and it's a you know a lifetime practice and it feels in the beginning I thought oh, I'm just doing that for two three years and then I go back you know out into the world so to say as if I would ever have left it you can't leave the world because as long as you're in a body here, you are here. But yeah, it it is an it it has become a, a lifestyle meanwhile, and that was not what I was planning at all. Yeah. <laughs> And I find their form very supportive for, for my my character, but I, I can see, you know, that uh, you know it's it's uh, really the main point of the practice is to be able to hold steady with experience, without getting carried away, and whatever helps, you know, to make that happen is a good thing. And for some people, it's a family life and for some people it's monastic life or whatever you know you can't escape your experience whatever wherever you go the monastic life is definitely not a, you know running away from the world it, it might look like it but there's no where to run really <laughs> so it is a I see I see the monastic life just as a one profession amongst many and and some people are called to do this and it was a surprise to me that I was one of those really yeah but it, for me it works quite okay yeah do you have any other questions about practice yes Particular teacher, and in the West we don't really seem to do that so much. Mm -hmm. so 
I mean, I, I think it also depends on the character of the per, of the person. You know, some people really want to have a, a relationship with a teacher, and that's what they need for some reasons, or maybe for some part of their practice. And and some people are quite happy, you know, to have just a group of people, like have a, a small sangha or even practice on their own. I think I think it is really important, you know, to have some good instructions in order to really, you know, benefit from the meditation. And I think it is, I can't make a, a general statement really about this, but I think it's good to be have have a, at least like a spiritual friend to check in with about the practice because it's quite easy, you know, to fool oneself sometimes. And I think it's it's good to be able to discuss with others because you know in the conversation you you also get to know yourself where you are with your practice very often. So I think spiritual friends are really important, but you don't necessarily have to have like a relationship with one particular teacher because this is something you know which one can't force to to have or make it happen. Either one that happens or it doesn't happen. And it's more often, it's not like that we can go around and like shop for a teacher or so, like you know, we do for a car or something. You can't do this. It's more like, I feel like what's, it's often said, you know, in, 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 in books, spiritual books, like when the disciple is ready, the teacher appears somehow, you know. It's it's often more like that the teacher finds the finds you rather than you finding the teacher. I think in my life it was like that also. And sometimes you know one doesn't immediately recognize that. It it, it might dawn on you like after some time you, you realize actually that you know feel a resonance with with a teacher. So there's no real fixed laws about that. It's, it's also, you know, we can say, it's a, a, a karmic ripening also. We might have, you know, made some connection with a certain lineage or so in another lifetime. And then, you know, when we see, or when we, when we are in the, in the presence of, of somebody, then suddenly it, it, it just comes back. But that's not something you know we can force it. It's either there or it isn't. It's like falling in love almost. You know, even it's not the same thing. You can't you know force yourself to fall in love. It just happens or it doesn't happen. And then we just have to really you know do the practice. And then what if we really have a strong intention for practice and we really you know, go for it, then whatever we need will come to us. And it might not be what we want, but it will always be what we need. And often we can see that only in hindsight, you know, that we actually, the challenges we had, where we thought, you know, I, I want to, for example, this person has a, has a relationship with the teacher, but I don't, and so on and so forth, and 
why is it not happening for me and so on. And then later on we can look back and we can see this is exactly what we needed in order to grow. Because everybody needs something different. And, and it is really, I think, you know, whatever we put into the practice, we're going to get that back. But it's not going to come to us necessarily how we expect it to be. Because this is one of the big um, elements of the practice, you know, to be able to, to just see what expectations we have and, and to let go of them. Because the expectations are nothing else but, you know, conditioning, basically. And this is exactly what we want to break out of. Of the, of the conditioning, of the different ideas we have about how, you know, we want to be or what should happen in order for us to be happy, in order for us to be fulfilled. And, and through that we distract ourselves and we are actually not with what is actually happening in our lives. And then, you know, we are constantly not quite where we want to be. And it's always, it's somewhere else, it's somewhere else, and then we die and we've never been there. Because we never have been where we were. We have always been going to the next thing. And, and you know, the, this is how the mind works. But we can get to know it. And once we really see it for what it is, it loses its grip on us. It's like, um, you know, like a... a um, um, an elastic band, you know, when you stretch it a, a million times, it loses its its uh, elasticity, you know, it just becomes more and more uh, limb, so to say, you know, that, that those those habits of the mind, they are not anymore so powerful, they, they just kind of, they get weaker and weaker. And we can observe it through you know, the meditation is all about that, you know, wearing out those habits of the mind by coming back to the meditation objects over and over again. That's that's one element of it. And, and the second element of it is the clear seeing of it. And then it loses, you know, it's, it's a fascination. Like when you are, it's in the scriptures, it's written about a magician you know, a magician on a, on a stage doing all kinds of amazing things. But if you look behind the curtain just once and you can see all of the props, you're never again f in the same way fascinated. It, it, you can't make that fascination come back. It's just gone, you know. It's just cut off. And that's exactly, you know, what we would call like uh, in, the, in the Pali scriptures, they speak about the four stages of enlightenment. I don't know if you have heard about it, like the stream enterer, they have all of those amazing names, once returner, non-returner and arahant. But this is like different stages of, uh, you know, of seeing really clearly, which means, you know, cut, cutting through this fascination with experience. You know, what the sense organs present to us is not what is really happening here. Because through these human sense organs, which we all share, we see each other as separate entities, you know, walking on the planet and doing things and so on and so forth. In reality, this is not how it is, but it's how it appears. 
So, you know, these different levels of uh, insight are different levels of cutting through delusion, basically. And, you know, the practice is all about preparing the mind to achieve this uh, clarity and this power of being able to cut through delusion. And the meditation practice is is uh, like when you go to the gym to train your body, you know, to have a healthy body and then you can lift heavy things. The same thing is the meditation, you train the mind to be able to cut through and go really deep. And, you know, we, we, we can't force that to happen, but we can put in the hours, you know, we can put in the training. And we don't know when causes and conditions come together for like a real deep insight to occur, which leaves a permanent change behind in the mind. You know, when things are certain patterns are cut through permanently. Whereas, you know, in a meditation retreat or sometimes in a good meditation, we can, you know, the mind can become very still and very clear, but it's it might, but it's not not permanent, you know. Then we go back and uh, into the marketplace or to the, you know, meet again people, which kind of drive us up the wall, and then the the mind again, you know, gets very agitated. So there's these different levels of insight, some which are kind of more shallow, but can bring us still a lot of peace, and some which are really deep and can they can change the mind permanently. Any, at any time, yeah, yeah. But the meditation is, is like, you know, the, the, the training of awareness or mindfulness is, is, a, is a prerequisite for that to occur, yeah. And, you know, through any moment when we are mindful, when we are aware, we, we collect information about how, it, how this all works. And then, you know, if like a certain amount of information, if I may, you know, kind of express it very simply, if a certain amount of, of information is, is collected, you know, then again, it suddenly can just all come together and, and we have an insight. It's like, you know, the curtains part for a moment and then come together again. But when an insight also occurred, you won't forget it, you know. You might even you know, forget it kind of intellectually, but it, if it's a real deep insight, it becomes part of your being and it will inform your experience from then on. Like what I said before, you know, if, if you have been looking behind the curtains of the magician and you saw the props, you never again will be fooled. And even, you know, we might have forgotten how it looked behind there, but you knew that you had seen it. And, and it never can come back in the same way to you. And that's um, what the practice uh, is all about, you know, to, to prepare the conditions for this seeing deeply. And then we still operate, you know, as human beings, and we have to still do 
all of the things we did before, but we do it in a different way. We are not so carried away by everything. You know, there's more stability there and there's more peace and, and there's more contentment there. And then there's more ability again, you know, to look deeply because of that. So it's a, it's like a, it's like a spiral rather, you know, which goes deeper and deeper into reality. And I very much like that uh, saying of Pantekuna Ratana uh, in one of his books. He speaks about, you know, escaping into reality rather than from it. So if you really want to escape, you have to go deeper into reality because this is where the freedom lies. You know, if you align yourself with reality, this is the only true escape. You know, running away into flatland, you know, you run just from one suffering to the next. But if you really want to run away from not feeling at peace, you have to you have to go towards that which you find disturbing because all of the information is held in those experiences. Because through really opening up to that which we don't want, you know, we can we clear out the delusion from our mind, number one. And, and number two, we get to know how it works. And then we, we have a chance, you know, to align ourselves with it because this is the only way how we can find peace, to align ourselves with truth. And then, you know, once we have experienced that, that this is really the way, you know, the... Uh, the courage, you know, to be able to open up to what is becomes greater because we we have no more doubt that this is the only way and what, you know, what looks at the first sight like impossible to accept you know, if we can open up to it we connect to something much deeper and there's a lot of uh, joy and nourishment can come through from, you know, from the depths of life really, if we can open up to it and you know being able to open up to suffering is it's like you know clearing out those channels of delusion and then a disconnectedness with life is you know what brings us what we are really looking for you know because what we really want is to feel connected with uh Life, you know, to feel really fully here. And we, if we are not in the depths of, of that experience, then what we want, we just want pleasant, one pleasant thing after the next. Because this is all what we know. But this is just a, a really very little. Uh, fleeting, you know, nicety, which really pales in front of being really deeply connected to life and not having to differentiate between, you know, what is according to my likes and what isn't. But this is a, um, you know, it's a lifetime's practice, really. And I think it's very important always, you know, to look back onto one's practice. Over the years, we can see that 
changes do occur. You know, that we do have more capacity to, to be with what is. And it, it is a, you know, it's a real training and we can include everything into it. It's not just like when I come here to my meditation group or when I sit cross-legged on the cushion, it has to cover everything, really. And the, and the, the meditation practice and the Sangha, and, and the teachings, and all of that is is like a, a different skillful means to enable us to just, you know, become aware of the depths of this human life, you know, which is, which we all have, because we all have been born, otherwise we wouldn't meet here today, and it is a very special opportunity and it would be really sad to just waste it by, you know, going shopping all the time. And I don't know, I mean, I don't want to sound too serious or something, but it can, kind of it is serious, you know. Especially now, as we wake up to to climate change, because you know this this um, fantasizing about likes and dislikes and trying you know to make this happen has brought us to to this uh, situation. You know, it's it's exactly the delusion of of uh, thinking that. Uh, you know, we know what is good and what is bad, and we know what has to be and what shouldn't be. We have created a big mess because we, we are just pretty um, deluded, all of us. And, you know, now we have the ultimate teacher now, and we can't run anywhere, any, anywhere anymore. And this is a very, you know, it's never been like this. So this is amazing uh, in what time we live, really. And, you know, the, how we have been living over the last few hundred years, um, you know, we, we get a very clear message now that this doesn't uh, really work very well. And now we have nowhere to turn anymore because, I mean, there are some people who think we can go to another planet, but I, I, I don't think that this is really a possibility. I think this is just like another delusion. So now, you know, we have to really, because we can't run anymore anywhere, because it's all full with people already, so we really have to look here now. And we have to really look what we are doing. And it's a very difficult thing to do because it's a kind of scary. And in a practice like this is, is really the only thing which can support us, support us then when we wake up to what's really happening. And you 
you know, because we are all part of, of the, the planet Earth. We are all part of one big process. We are not separate to it. If we, you know, become aware of that and if we really turn towards what is happening and towards, you know, this growing um, dissonance, because I think more and more people are becoming aware of this. And if we really have, you know, enough interest to to turn towards it and we go and find, you know, find support to do this, because it's much easier to do it together, then, you know, this climate crisis will actually... Um, Do what it's supposed to do, because I think you know we have hit this limitation now, because we have to change how we function and how we live, and you know this process which we call universe or cosmos is all about that you know to evolve consciousness, and whatever it has to throw up in order for this to happen, it will do it, and we are in the midst of it, you know. So I don't think there's anything going wrong here, but I think we should really um, turn towards it rather than trying to distract ourselves. Because, you know, the earlier we really open up to what is happening, uh, the, the more opportunity we'll have to keep the warming in a manageable limits. You know, and I feel I would like to be part of that for for the sake of the future generations, really. And, you know, because we haven't been able to stop running for so long as a, as a human species, maybe now we come to the point that we can't stop because we, we have to. And that will really be, you know, in terms of of cultivating the mind, it's it's a very powerful stopper really now. And yeah, it's it's amazing. But I really don't think that anything is going wrong, you know, that we are bad because we have been, you know, been being part of this movement. We we just didn't know any better, otherwise we wouldn't have done it. But now I think there's a lot of um, science and a lot of information, and I think it's it's good to to pay attention to it. And the practice can, can give us that strength. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.